Good morning. All right, let's try again. Good morning. <laughs> it's good to be with you. I, I want to start this morning not with um, anything jovial or a joke or anything like that. I want to start with something just very, very simple. Because today, in starting this series, Follow is not about what Nate knows and teaching you something new and teaching you a whole new bag of tricks because across the room, we've got all ages represented. Some of us got lots of tricks in the bag, some of us don't. That's okay. But one more trick isn't going to necessarily make us feel any closer to God. It's not necessarily going to help us feel like we're following God any better. There's one simple thing. And that is welcoming God's presence in this place. And I know we've, we've sort of done that in praise and worship. You need to understand in our tradition, a lot of times it's Father, Son, and Holy Scripture, not Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we often neglect the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, who is a person within the Trinity, the one who weaves everything together and empowers it for God's purposes. I spent many years in leadership, because I started at age 27 in church planting, spent many years in leadership, hearing God clearly, trying to follow God and do what I thought he wanted me to do. But in the midst of that, the tendrils of my own expectations or what I felt like I had to do for God was always there. And oftentimes it quenched, whether I meant it to or not, it quenched what God wanted to do. That's not just my story. That's our story as human beings. That even with our best intentions of trying to follow God, even when we hear him clearly, the tendrils of our expectations, our planning, and, and what we want to have happen start to choke out the power of his presence. I used to react poorly to being in a group where people would say, come Holy Spirit. And it's like, well, the Holy Spirit's already here. You know, God's everywhere. And I started to realize something. God is always more willing to be present than we're willing to allow him to be present. So it's an attitude of surrender. Before we get into anything else, I just want to invite you this morning. Would you pray a prayer of surrender with me to just invite the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our 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 time this morning and the whole time throughout this series. Would you do that with me? All right, let's pray. Would you? And if you want to, you can do a position of surrender. You put your hands out like this and, and just pray this with me. Father, we are so, so grateful that we get to be together. We're so grateful to be those who, are, are, who have said we want to follow you and follow Jesus and his way. We're grateful that you have said you will empower us by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, forgive us for neglecting you and your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. In us, move, empower and help us to live and move and have our being in you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I said, this, this series isn't about, hey, you know, here's some great tricks and 
here's some great teaching. Um, it's really not. Follow is all about understanding what is this relationship that we have with God? What does it mean to be a disciple? Because if we, if we say we're a, we're a follower of Jesus, if we're, if we're kicking the tires on the faith at all, what we're considering is, do I want to be a disciple? Do I want to be somebody who says, I want to be just like Jesus? That's all the disciple means. I want to be just like Jesus. But oftentimes we, we, we take that and we make that sort of our own thing. We, we, we make it who we think Jesus is, not who Jesus actually is. And there are a couple things Jesus left that were very, very clear as far as what it means to be following him, to be a disciple. And one of those is to be a disciple who can teach others how to be a disciple. But before we get into any of those pieces, we need to be in a place where we can actually be in God's presence and hear his voice and understand what he's saying to us. So to start us off or follow we're really going to be in a place where we're just seeking God. And, and so let me start with the why. why. Why is it important? Proverbs 9.10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. How many of us would like better wisdom and better understanding? I mean, whether you've been on this earth for a long time or not, you know that our wisdom, our current wisdom only takes us so far. Our current understanding only takes us so far. It could be five minutes out the door with your spouse or a friend, and you're all of a sudden in a conversation where there's a fight because you don't understand each other. We live constantly with the awareness that we don't have all the wisdom. We don't have all the understanding. And Proverbs reminds us that we need to go to God for that. Jesus said it this way in Mark 4. Verses 21 through 23. He says, Is a lamp to be brought in and put under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it put on a stand? For there is nothing hidden except that which should be made known. Neither was anything made secret, but that it should come out into the light. If any person has ears, let them hear. Now, I want to I pause for just a second and pull back and say, well, why is Jesus saying this? Oftentimes, we'll read a passage like this, and, and what floods into our mind is wisdom from other teachers and wisdom from other pastors and things that we've heard in Christian radio or things that we've heard in a song or a poem or, or wherever else in the culture, and, and it sort of mixes in, and we try to grasp it and try to understand it. And so we hear, is a lamp brought in to be put under a ba basket or a bushel or a bed or whatever? And we go, oh, oh, this means this little light of mine. I got to let it shine, right? Like our brain goes to that place like, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't hide Jesus. I shouldn't hide the truth. That's not what Jesus is saying here. That's true. Our, our life with God should not be hidden. It should be a light. It should be. But what Jesus is saying there's light. I want you to imagine just for a second that it's, it's like Jesus is saying, God has a flashlight. And all those moments we walk to, into in our life where there's darkness and we don't understand, we don't quite have that clarity and that wisdom and that, that ability to see clearly where we should go. God is willing to shine a flashlight. As a matter of fact, he's probably constantly shining the flashlight. And when Jesus says, 
Those who have ears, let them hear. What he's saying is, do you, do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, if God is always flashlight and we still stumble in the darkness, what happened? It's not like God's up there with a strobe light, you know, like, oop, ah, I got you. <laughs> yeah, you thought you, uh, I turned it out. Oh, let me turn it back on for you. Like, that's not him. He's always shining the light. Who puts the bushel? Who tucks it under a bed? We do. And there's, like, there's no shame in that. Like, we shouldn't be like, oh, yeah, I'm a horrible person. Thanks, Nate. You know, again, I'm being told how horrible I am and why I don't match with you. No, it's not that. God's like, no, I, just, I always shine a light. Are you willing to see it? Or are you going to let those expectations and those other things entangle and confuse your understanding? Instead of being, okay, God, if that's true, what does that look like? See, there's, the, the reason we go to what we know is because whenever we are invited to do something we don't know how to do, what do we typically do? Whenever you don't know how to do something, what do you typically do? You get frustrated, and, you get, and, if, and if you know you have to do it, and you get frustrated, you're going to typically go and do what you know. It's a human thing. It just is. We'll stick with our area of comfort. We'll stick with our area of what we know. When God puts a light on something and says, no, 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 look, look, see the whole thing? There's a different way to be here. There's a different way to live here. It's hard for us to stop and go, God of the universe who imagined what it is to be here, who imagined the very nature of a cell that would come together with other cells and form a being who has all the creativity in the world, God, would you inspire my imagination to understand what this truth is you're trying to tell me so I know how to live? That's not our approach, is it? I mean, let's be honest. Normally we're like, oh man, that just is too hard. It's too hard. I don't know how to do that. Thanks God for the pressure and the guilt. I'm just gonna go do what I know because at least if I do what I know and I do that well, I feel like I've alleviated some of that guilt. I feel like I've alleviated some of that shame. But God, let's be clear, God isn't pouring that guilt and shame on us. We're putting it on ourselves because we know we're walking away from a creative moment. Maybe that's because of voices that have told us in the past, you're just not smart. Maybe it's voices that have told us, well, you're not that creative. Maybe it's a voice we've told ourselves, I'm just not that creative. It's okay. Do you recognize the responsibility isn't on you? If God shines a light and he shows you something, the responsibility doesn't shift to you to say, now you have to dream up a way to do this. The responsibility is still his, but what is our responsibility is to say, God, show me. The choice to listen or not is always our responsibility. And so for some of you this morning who've been like, you know, I've been in this thing for a long time and I just feel like I keep hitting up against this wall. And just, I want to pull us all the way back, away from all of the things over the years that have piled up on what we think is between us and God. I'll pull all that away and say, always, 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 there's only one thing. It's a choice to listen or not. To tap into the wisdom, understanding of relationship with the Holy One or not. Because here's the, here's the really simple thing. I listen to God 
because he always sees things more clearly than I do. And if I understand that, it's like, man, I, I need, I need to listen to him. Jesus says it elsewhere, you know, does any of you desire wisdom or knowledge? Ask God. I believe Paul picks that up and says the same thing. I listen to God because he always sees things more clearly than I can. What we're going to do in this follow journey is some amazing, like, you're not, you're not going to be in this place where it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. just every day, it's more knowledge, more knowledge, just pour it in. Pour it. Like, we've spent way too long in Western culture filling our heads with information and it's gotten worse. We fill our heads with information all day long. And we still do not have wisdom. We still do not have understanding. We can have all the information about God and about his word. But without wisdom and understanding, we don't know how to live it. Follow is an invitation to a journey. To daily say, Father, you're the creative one. You've imagined so much stuff. Jesus, you're the one that helped bring all of that imagination into reality. And Holy Spirit, you're the one that weaves it all together and empowers it to accomplish the, the purposes of, of God. And so each day I want to interact with each person within the Trinity and say, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Father, help me imagine. Son, help me understand what I just read. And Spirit, empower me to live that way. That's the simplicity of what the 43-day journey is. And so instead of giving you a sermon on a passage with lots of points and more things to write down and then take home and forget about, and be like, oh, what was that thing like four months ago? And I, you know, six points and, you know, here's my seven strategies for living. And blah, blah, blah. You know, instead of that, I want to actually take the rest of that passage that Jesus gave us here in Mark 4 and just do that. Like, Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying here? And my intention is not to try and give you all of the information and the context. It's like, let's just listen. Let's just listen. So here's how we do it. If you look in verse 24 and 25, right after he said this whole thing about the lamp, Jesus says, take heed to what you hear. Take heed to what you hear. With whatever measure you measure, it's going to be measured back to you. And more will be given to those who hear. For whoever has, to them will be given more. For whoever who don't have, even that which they have will be taken away from them. And when you first read that, if you come at that from our worldly perspective, we're going, wait a minute, God, are you saying if I got stuff, you're going to give me more? Is this, is this where the God helps those who help themselves garbage came from? If I've got, you give, but if I don't got, so what does that mean for poor people? What does it mean for the homeless? What does that mean for people who lost it all? They were, they were 
they had integrity in all that they did, but they lost it all. Does that mean that, God, you took it away? Does it mean you're not going to give them anything anymore? It's so easy for us to read a passage and, and, and get caught in the thoughts instead of going, hmm, what does that mean? So I'm going to give you some building blocks. When Jesus says, take heed to what you hear, the Greek word he uses, and I know some of you are like, oh, yeah, so that's the thing. We got to learn Greek. No, I'm not saying you got to learn Greek. If you really want to get into the meaning, sometimes, yeah, you got to go a little digging, but you don't have to learn Greek to do that. You just need to understand what he's using. And what he uses there is a word in Greek that means look at what you hear. Now, what's the immediate problem here in our Western culture in the way that we think? Hearing, we hear what? Sound, sound waves. Can you see sound waves? You know, unless you've got a, an electronic equipment that shows you sound waves, you can't see sound waves. So we sit here and we go, look at what you hear. And that's why translators will say, take heed to what you hear, because they're going, man, you are all going to be so confused. But this is what Jesus actually said. Look at what you hear. Why? Because in Eastern culture, this is why he told parables. This is why he gave stories, physical examples of what he was trying to share so that when you walked away, you went, oh, that's how you do it. Jesus was directly involved with that creative process to say, okay, the light is shining and you, you don't know how to do it. That's okay. Here's a picture. Let me show you a picture. And so when he says, look at what you hear, it means literally to see a picture of what it is you're hearing. And it's the idea of visualizing it so concretely that you can take action on it. So it carries a responsibility to respond to what you've just seen. Well, if you go back to what he said earlier, doesn't that make sense? If you're in the dark room and a light is shining and all of a sudden you have clarity, are you going to continue to wander around and bump your toe and break your pinky toe in the darkness? Or are you going to gravitate to the light? You're going to be like, oh, look, that's so much easier. I don't have to step on the leg. It's right there. That's all Jesus is saying. Look at it. See it so you can walk in it. That's what he's inviting us to do. But there's another piece of this, and, and you see this actually in, in Matthew 13, and as you go through the follow journey, you're going to have a moment to actually go into that passage a little bit and look a little bit deeper. But there's a conversation that, that happens with Jesus and his disciples around this same kind of, the same period of time. And what becomes very clear is Jesus wants us to get it. God wants us to get it. God doesn't want this faith thing and this relationship with him to be a mystery. He doesn't want it to be so mysterious we can't figure it out. He wants us to understand his word. He wants us to understand what he's saying. And he wants us to be able to take something he shined a light on and be able to imagine and see it clearly. But he also wants us to be able to learn to live in his power, not in our own strength. This is what it means when he says, for those who have, more will be given. For those who don't, even what they have will be taken away. If you, if you look at the word have, it means to get it. Those who are able to make the choice to listen, those who make the choice to say, God, help me understand, 
they're the ones that God will say, yes, yes. Have you ever had somebody in your life that maybe it was in your professional life where you, know, you, you go and you talk shop at home and they don't, like people, they, the whole family tunes out because you're talking about stuff and they're like, yeah, I don't care about engineering. Or I don't care about accounting or whatever. But you meet that person who's curious and you're like, oh man, you just feel like you want to unload on them. Like, oh, you know, you know just you pour in. You're like, oh, let me tell you all about it. And you, and you sit for hours and all of a sudden you look at the clock and you're like, oh my word, it's been four hours and we've been talking about. That's what God's expressing through Jesus right here. Those who make the choice to listen, who are willing to hear and let God help them understand, it's like, man, he's like, I just want to pour in. I'll pour in. But if you're not willing to listen, even what you think you've got, if you think the shining the light means just the light of mine, even what you think you've got about your faith will be taken. It doesn't say God will take it. I think life circumstances, eventually you'll lose heart because it won't square up with reality and you'll just lose it. Maybe God does take it. I don't know. But knowing him and the relationship he desires to have with us and how desperately he wants us to get it, if he takes it, his intention is to remove it from our understanding so that we can start again and make the choice of whether he, we're going to listen. So those are two really important things that we see Jesus saying in this passage. Look at what you hear. I want you to get it. I want you to be able to concretely see it and imagine it so that you can live it and take action on it. And I want you to do it in my power. Because if you just listen, I'll pour more. I'll give you more ability. I'll give you more of myself in that. Let's do a, a like, totally different exercise to, to help you grasp this, okay? So if I say to you the words, helmet, head, Okay, just pause there for a minute and let that land. Helmet, head, two words. Helmet, head. Nothing mysterious, right? Helmet, head. You know what a helmet is. You know what a head is. Now, some of you, in your mind's eye, just imagine a helmet head right now. Go. Helmet head. Got your picture? Everybody got your picture? Okay, ready? Some of you probably saw this. A head with a helmet, right? Some of you probably saw this. Some of you may have thought of having a helmet during the pandemic being something like this, right? Previous to the pandemic, none of us would have imagined that, right? And after the pandemic, we're going, God, please no. <laughs> I really don't want to walk around with a bubble on my head. Some of you who are very, maybe creative, but very literal, you may have thought where you have a helmet that looks like a head. And so when you're wearing the helmet, it actually looks like it's your head, but it's a helmet on your head. Now, I guarantee, though, this next one, this next one, and I'm, I'm going out on a limb here. But I guarantee on this next one, not a single one of you thought of this. Anybody? Did anybody see this in your head? No. This is a super simple example. When God gives us something in his word, when he shines a light on something, sometimes we just need to pause long enough because somebody, somebody, some artist 
saw this and thought, man, you know what I could do with my motorcycle helmet? <laughs> that. That's some sort of a helmet head. Now, I don't know what, you know, what Muppet traumatized them as a child or whatever that, that, you know, that they had to come up with that, but that is, that is what they saw. And sometimes we just need to pause long enough to be like, okay, when I hear God, when I hear God, I need to let him empower me to imagine it in real life. And I need to take responsibility to live it fully. That's harder because a lot of times when God shines a light on something in our life, there's consequence attached to it, isn't there? There could be loss, there could be gain, there could be hurt, there could be pain. I wasn't trying to rhyme. But it's all mixed up in that. And it's all these things that keep us from being able to pull back and go, show me. Even if it's some sort of weird Muppet thing, Lord, just show me what it is. I don't know how to live that. And sometimes the most honest thing we can say is, God, I see the light you're shining. I don't know how to get there. He's like, thank you for listening. Let me give you more. Let me help. One of the mistakes we'll make in that is trying to have that be instantaneous because the pressures that we, I have to make a decision now. I have to do it now. Allison and I, early on in our marriage, we, we had some wise advice that said, never make a decision that you're not in unity about. And it was like, wow, okay, so as young married people, we were like, wow, okay, so yeah, we'll do that. Like, we're always in unity. And it wasn't long into our marriage before we got into those situations like, but the decision has to be made tomorrow, and we're not in unity. You know, it was like, ah, and so we would sit, and we'd be like, God, please, and then we fight with each other, and then it'd be like, an argue. and it was like, we're not accomplishing unity. This is not leading to greater unity, the pressure of feeling like we have to decide tomorrow. And then we had some even wiser devices. Any deal you can't walk away from is probably a deal you shouldn't take. Now, they were talking about, like, earthly deals, you know, things like that. Obviously, if God is inviting you to something and you can't walk away from it, there's a reason. But that helped us because we said, you know, the pressure we feel that we have to make a decision right now, where's that pressure coming from? It just shifted our thinking. We feel like the deadline is the deadline. But you know what? If it was really something God intended for us, would it be mixed up with all of this anxiety? Would it be mixed up with all of this stress? Would it be mixed up with all this performance-oriented crud that's just in us? And it allowed a lot of that to just settle. And we were able to be like, you know, now it doesn't mean we still don't have challenges. It doesn't mean we still don't have deadlines. But we approach them somewhat differently. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we still mess it up. But it's that kind of thing that when we hear God, we need to let him not only help us imagine it, but then empower us so that we can live it in real life and take responsibility. Then Jesus did something else. He gave him another picture. And I want to do this with us just to kind of round this out and give us one more, one more experience of looking at Jesus saying something and allowing us to kind of get this creative peace in us. Jesus said this. He said, God's kingdom is as if 
A person casts seed on the earth, and he sleeps, and he rises the next day, and the seed springs up and grows, and he has no idea how that happens. For the earth bears fruit by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the fruit is ripe, immediately he puts a a sickle to it, because the harvest has come. And we pause there for a minute when you're like, okay, so we're not an agricultural society, so it's a little bit hard for us to understand that. We have to pause. We have to listen. Okay, have I ever planted a seed? Have I ever put seed in soil? Yes. Did I make it grow? No. But when it grew and it had a flower or it had fruit, I knew what season it was, right? Jesus is trying to help us understand through a physical picture. There are some things that we know how to engage. There are some things we will never make happen. We just can't. We cannot make things grow. Can't. We can provide all the right conditions. We can know everything about soil, everything about seed, and everything about plant. But once that seed is in the soil, and what Jesus is trying to help us understand is that is what God's kingdom is like in us. We don't make it grow. And I'm going to come back to that in a second. He says this, how are, we, how are we to compare this? How do we understand this in comparison to the kingdom of God? What parable, what picture can I give you to illustrate it? And he says this. Now, some of you have probably heard this before. It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it's sown into the earth, it is less than all the seeds that are on the earth. And yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and puts great branches out so that the birds of the sky can lodge under its shadow. I have heard so many sermons where people have deconstructed whether the mustard seed is the smallest seed among all the seeds in the world, whether it grows into a bush or a tree or a plant, whether it's an herb or a vegetable or a tree. It's like, stop. But we do. This is what humans do. We try to figure all these stupid things out. Instead of going back and saying, God, let me imagine. You know, and I had moments when I was getting ready for this message. I was like, okay, God, that's bothering me. It's bothering me that I've heard all those messages and I know the minute I say the mustard seed, somebody's going to be like, yeah, I put mustard seed in my pickling or I've seen mustard seeds in my pickles and, you know, they're big. I've seen smaller seeds. Poppy seeds are smaller. Right? Chia seeds are smaller. Even quinoa. (laughs) And I said it right. So I did a little digging and I found out that the black mustard seed is actually super tiny, like a poppy seed. And a black mustard seed, it's a different kind of plant than the one that we typically see as our mustard seeds that we buy in the store. The black mustard seed is more common in eastern regions, and it is a plant that when you plant it, it's this tiny little seed. But I want to show you what it grows into. Take a look. Now, that's many black mustard seeds, obviously, were planted in that area. But now does Jesus' parable make more sense? When you see the picture, look at what you hear. This tiny little seed grows into this brush that's as tall as a tree. Is it any wonder that birds would love to hang out in there and go and pick all the seeds? Now, granted, they're tiny seeds, so they have to eat a lot of them. 
They'll be in there a while. But now the parable makes more sense. Now connect that picture to the kingdom of God. He's like, use this picture to understand the kingdom of God. It's such a tiny thing. It's a tiny thing to hear the voice of God. It's a tiny thing to have that inspiration and that understanding of wisdom and understanding that comes only from God. It's a tiny thing. And it revolves this tiny choice of, am I going to listen or not? It's tiny. It's very tiny. It's a small act. But if it gets to take root, it will change the way you live. It will change the very dynamic of who you are. It will change the environment that you are in to the point where there is room for people to come and take shelter in the kingdom of God established in and through your life and relationships. Look at what you hear. Listening to God is so simple, but it changes the very nature of our existence. We've made a big mistake in the church, and I think it's important. I think it's important when we've made a mistake for our sake and for others that we acknowledge it. One of the biggest mistakes we've made in the church is that after somebody says, yeah, you know, I, I kind of want to know this Jesus more. I want to give my life to Jesus. We say, okay, the top three things that you need to do, and you could probably list them out with me, to grow in your faith. The top three things that you need to do to grow in your faith are do what? Read the Bible, pray, serve, and sometimes serve and, and go to church are, are kind of put together, right? So read the Bible, pray, serve, or go to church, right? Those three things. Let me tell you something. Forget that right now. And I know that right now some people across the, 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 the congregation and out on the airwaves or whatever, and whoever sees it, like they just had a heart attack. Just forget that right now. Because if you consume yourself and your life and your relationship with God with, I need to read more, I need to pray more, I need to serve more, or go to church more, who are you focusing on? <laughs> See? Look at what you hear. I need to pray more. I need to read more. I need to serve or go to church more. Now, it's not to say that reading your Bible isn't good. It's not to say that, because how do we hear God's word? If we're not willing to read what he's already said, how are we going to understand what else he might say? Okay, that makes sense. And it makes sense why we got to this place in believing these three things. But these three things do not cause us to grow. They don't. That's just tending the soil. It's just cultivating an environment where we could grow, but it doesn't cause us to grow. And yet we make the mistake of thinking, if I just read more, if I just pray more, if I just go to church more, I'll feel closer to God and I'll feel like I'm growing in my faith. That's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. And I'm willing to say that. Because here's the truth. What causes me to grow, there are three things that I experience the goodness of God, where I'm at. And it's the question we should be asking instead of, am I praying enough? Should be, how am I experiencing the goodness of God in this moment? How am I experiencing the goodness of God today? His goodness makes us grow. 
And out of his goodness, I'm like, man, yeah, I want to want to read because I'm I'm just like his goodness is so good. And the next one is, how is his love being experienced? with the people that I'm near. Notice the shift. Not how am I loving people, because it puts a focus back on me. How is his love being experienced with the people that I'm near or the people that I encounter? So now if I'm encountering people out in my daily life, I'm going, his goodness, his love. And the last one is simple. What is he leading me to do or be right now? It's not without error. I mean, it's not without irony that Paul says we should fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. What is that saying? He makes us. So as we start the follow journey, let this land. I need to be tuned in to how am I experiencing God's goodness? How is his love being experienced in the people around me and through me? And what is it God would have me do? If we're willing to approach the daily devotionals with that kind of pulling back and pausing and just saying, God, what do you want to say? How does your goodness come out of this? How does your love spill out of this? Help me to imagine, help me to see, and then help me to walk in it. We will finally get ourselves righted from this idea that somehow the faith piece is ours, that we have to, we have to make it happen and we have to get closer to God. And we'll understand rightly, He makes us grow. And if our eyes aren't on Him and our expectations aren't more of Him, then all we're going to get is more of us. I don't know about you. I've had enough of me. Actually, you've all probably had enough. So let's wrap up with this. As a citizen of God's kingdom, if I'm truly a citizen of God's kingdom, I need to listen, like, share, and follow. I'll say it again. If I'm a citizen of God's kingdom, I need to listen, like, share, and follow. These are not tasks, okay? This is not pray more, read more, but this is simply being in a place where it's like, man, I, I want to hear you, God. I want to see you. I want to fall in love with the goodness that you're doing. I want to like everything that I see because I see you in it. I want to be sharing that tiny little seed. Not only that it may grow in me and provide space where the kingdom is realized wherever I am because you're here. But so that I'm sharing that seed and all of a sudden people are, are having to grow up in them and they're like, why are people coming to me? And why are people, and it's like, because they see God's goodness. It's happening in you. A tiny little seed because you were willing to say, okay, I'll listen. And we need to follow. Because if we don't look to Jesus, in all that we do. We're not willing to look to him. We will never understand what it is to be a disciple because we'll continue to imitate one another 
and spiritual leaders and messages and people that we see online and we'll lose sight. We'll stop seeing what we hear him say and we'll start seeing what others are saying. Make sense? All right, you've all had enough of me. Let's pray. I'm going to come back next week. Uh, So the value and focus this week as you go into follow is listening. I must hear the voice of God. I must hear and see the potential that God reveals. That's going to be the value that we spend this week on. So I want to pray over you and and just ask God to bless us as we go into the journey. And I look forward to walking with you over the next six weeks. Let's pray. Father, thank you again. And Holy Spirit, (laughs) thank you. I praise you. I'm so grateful that you do what you do. And that none of what I do really matters if it's apart from you. I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful, Lord, that just by listening, you do so much. I can't even express how much you've done this week and today. Thank you. Lord, have your way in us. In the name of Jesus, whatever barriers, whatever blockades, whatever chains, whatever things have confused and muddied the water that we cannot see the light, we cannot hear clearly, we cannot envision the picture. God, wherever our imagination is bound up in traditions or expectations or words that others have said to us, we strike it down in the name of Jesus right now. Break it. Holy Spirit, break it. So as we come to you, Father, you can set our imagination aflame and afire with creativity we never knew, with passion and the ability to walk with you in ways we never understood, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, to live in the kingdom, empowered by you in ways we've never experienced, but we delight in on a daily basis. Revive us and revive our land. And we'll give you the honor and the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.